Hey friends and welcome. Listen, life is a journey filled with unexpected detours and most of us have experienced at least one and maybe more life-altering pitfalls. How we choose to react and grow from heartbreaks, roadblocks, stumbles and struggles, well, that's where the magic is created. Tune in twice a month when me, Kathy Talone asks, and then what happened? You don't want to miss an episode as we go on a fascinating journey with new and old friends sharing their ups and downs on their unique path to personal freedom. I'm so grateful you joined us. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. This is Kathy Talone, and this is And Then What Happened. Today, I have the most amazing, beautiful friend who is sitting right here in front of me today. (laughs) I am honored to have her. We have Andrea Vaughn. Andrea Vaughn earned her master's degree in clinical social work from Boston University. She has been educating the public about the prevention of child sexual abuse for over 15 years. Andrea is the author of the award-winning books, Invisible Target, Breaking the Cycle of Educator Sexual Abuse, and Victoria in the Big Brave Breath. She also hosts the podcast, Andrea Speaks Out, which shines a light on healing from and prevention of sexual abuse. Her hope is that with education and prevention, every child will live in a world safe from abuse. Andrea wanted to create a resource that families could utilize to help little ones cope with their worries. Her background in social work and sound healing joined forces to create the book, Victoria in the Big Brave Breath. Her dream is for children everywhere to have calmer, more peaceful childhood. Andrea Vaughn is a certified sound healing practitioner. For the past five years, she has provided group sound healing sessions for yoga studios, corporate wellness trainings, classrooms, girlfriend mimosa parties, and more. She is also an author, an activist, and a budding voiceover actor. She calls it vocational ADD, and she wouldn't have it any other way. Andrea hopes to bring peace and joy to the world in all she does. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you so much, Kathy. Oh, my God. It's fun already. It already is, and I am so happy to have you in front of me. Thank you. Bringing peace to the world. Literally, that just gave me goosebumps. Mm, So thank you for shining your light so brightly and always speaking your truth. Thank you. You have so much to say. I don't even know where to start because we're going to bring all of this into, hopefully, um, you know, a container of time. Yeah. And and I don't know how we're going to do that with all of your journeys, travels, experiences, and inspirations. So we're going to pick a few salient points from my life, I think, and we'll tie them together. Well, let's just get started. Yeah. So let's just talk about, um, I guess, you becoming an author and... What inspired you to speak your truth? Well, that's a big, that's a big question and a big answer, and I'll, I'll try to paint the picture, I think. Um, so I didn't set out to be an author. I know so many people who want to write and become authors, and that was never my strength and never my goal, and yet I had a big old story I needed to tell, I think. And so my first book that I wrote was Invisible Target, and... I really, growing up in a million years, if anyone had said, you're going to write about what you're going through right now, I would have told them they were crazy. 
Um, but it was really important to me that I survived so much and learned so many valuable lessons and tools that I felt like I had to share what I learned to help other people. Okay, so let's catch everyone up right here. The invisible target was you. Yeah. And what were you the invisible target of? So I was sexually abused by a teacher of mine, and it lasted for a very long time. And it was really important. My friend helped me come up with the title of it because I do a lot of, I've done a lot of trainings, you know, throughout the last over a decade on just to help grown-ups identify what would make their child a target of a predator or something. And a lot of times we have these misconceptions of what makes a kid vulnerable um, or, or who would be at risk. And, you know, my childhood really was pretty chaotic and hectic and abusive at home. And it created in me this very needy, um, insecure, desperately longing for a father figure target for this teacher. And I really feel like that is, in all my research, that's what I found was, I mean, kids by nature are vulnerable and can be targeted anyway, you know. But a lot of times predators target kids who feel invisible and they're not really at the front of the pack and they don't know where they belong and they are looking to fit in. And that's completely what happened to me. And so I met this teacher when I was in eighth grade, and then he groomed me for a couple of years and then sexually abused me all through high school and beyond. And it was, it, was, it was a nightmare, but I learned a ton. And so years later, I decided to write the book about it to help other people. And right now I'm feeling this overwhelming wave of sorrow. Um, I actually listened to your book on Audible. Oh, that's right. Um, I want to say, maybe you remember when you offered that out to friends. I think it was maybe four years ago. Is that okay. sound right? Um, I think maybe three years ago. Published in 2015. Okay. So that was about eight years ago now when it came out. Isn't that crazy? So mm -hmm. I think seven years ago it came out as an audiobook. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel yeah. like maybe around four years ago I okay. listened to it. But yeah. So... I'm just putting myself back into the, listening to the story. And yeah. I can't imagine actually being the author of this story and putting yourself back into that story. So yeah. this happened when you were in eighth grade. You were groomed for several years, and this abuse just continued on. Yeah. So I, I right at this moment, I have no questions. I just want you to continue to just you know, tell everyone the story in, in your own words and how you want to share it. Sure. And I always like to kind of share the points of the story that I feel will help people understand the most. I don't need to go into a whole lot of detail because sometimes that can be pretty triggering for other people. Um, but I really think certain things are important for people to understand just for their own personal growth or, to, again, to protect their own children or communities. You know, and, and I also learned that what I went through is so not unique. Any survivor I meet who's gone through similar abuse with especially with like educators or anyone in a position of power, there's so many similar dynamics. It's, um, it's almost like these predators take a class, you know? And so what I can tell you is that um, this teacher befriended me at first, and I just wanted him to like me. I just wanted to be included in his inner circle, and 
once he did, it became this emotional, like, I don't even know what the word is, but I just got hooked by him. I just felt like I needed him so much. He became like a best friend and it was nothing sexual for years. It was like this best friend who would just pay attention to me. You know, he would listen to my problems. He would give me feedback. He would compliment me and he made me believe in myself. And I was pretty depressed and suicidal when I met him. And as the couple of years of grooming went on, that depression started to lift and I wasn't suicidal anymore. And that's what's so interesting. People, you know, you hear these stories sometimes in the news of something happening and you don't realize all the dynamics that hook a kid in. You know, same as trafficking, same as so many things. They know how to manipulate a kid so well so that if he had just abused me right off the bat, I probably would have told him because I would have been terrified and freaked out. You know, I think they're very calculating what they're doing so that you're all confused and mixed up. The boundaries are so blurred and they, he just slowly desensitized me, you know, by, I just, he, he meant the world to me. And then when he crossed the line physically, it had already been a couple of years and it was very confusing because it was scary. Something felt wrong. I had all these red flag feelings inside, I call it. But I was never raised, I was never taught to trust that, to know what that feeling means. If I was probably the opposite. Like, just ignore whatever bad is going on at home. Just don't listen to your gut. And so you don't have this truth bubble up inside you of, this is not okay, you don't feel comfortable. It was the opposite. It was, I was sort of trained to, like, please, to obey, to be compliant, um, like, they always say, like, a, a kid who keeps secrets is a predator's easiest target. And so many of us are raised to just be an obedient kid and follow adults' rules no matter what, you know. And so, you know, when he crossed the line physically, it was it was complex. There's a part of it that was exciting, too, you know. And but why is he paying attention to me like this? And, and then as soon as he crossed the line with me in that way, then it quickly just got so scary and initially he was saying oh I want to take this at your pace and I want this to be a good experience and within weeks it was complete opposite of that and it was like I didn't even exist I had no say in it and I did not have the vocabulary of saying no because I had never been taught that I was compliant and if he said we had to do these things it wasn't even a thought in my mind that I would have a say in it like oh okay I guess I have to be sexual with him now and so for the, my entire high school career, I was, I was, it was, it just got worse and worse um, with the sexual abuse. And also he started getting controlling and he would start to threaten me and, and start to demean me. He had built me up initially and then he started kind of tearing me down saying, no boy is ever going to like you. I don't want you to feel that rejection. So you need to stick with me. Things like that. Um, oh, it was awful. And also, you know, you're not smart enough to handle those college classes, so you shouldn't go away to college. And I, he didn't want me to learn to drive. He didn't want me to go to prom. He just wanted me to stay this young kid who depended on him. And so that was my whole high school career, and I didn't tell a soul. I didn't tell anybody um, because he warned me. You, you, you cannot tell anybody about this because they won't understand how special it is. And I will go to jail. And then if I go to jail, I will kill myself, and that'll be your responsibility. And I can't imagine you Good bearing Lord. that. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I said, I've listened to the audiobook. I've known you um, for years. We grew up in the same town. Yeah. But to hear your story again, you know, face to face like this, it just, it's almost, you know, it's unreal. And I'm wondering, like, do you still, so many years later, like at this moment, do you still look back and it, does it feel unreal to you? Is there, Parts of you that continue to go back there and still try to figure it out, or do you, have you come to terms with a lot of it? Because it, it's it's so crazy for me. It's kind of like a bad after school special, isn't it? It really is so surreal. Like the things that I'm saying, I I don't go back anymore and try to figure anything out. I I worked really hard after I got out of the whole situation. I did tons of therapy, and you know, so a long time ago, and I. And I've spoken to so many survivors since then who have the same kinds of stories over and over and over. That it's, it's for a while, it was like three survivors a month minimum would find me online and reach out to me. And they've read my book and they're like, oh my gosh, he said the same things to me. He did the same thing. And so it's kind of comforting and it's kind of, it's just, there's so many emotions because you don't feel alone. Like when you find your people who've gone through the same thing, it's so helpful, but it's just, it's just strange, but I also am talking about, you know, when you're speaking your truth, I really had the hardest time leaving him for so many reasons. I really was afraid. By the end, I thought he was going to kill me, and I was so afraid to leave. And finally, like, the pain just outweighed the fear, and I went to therapy trying to figure out how to leave him. And that I'll never forget the first session. I was in there, and she said, well, have you told him that you're not happy? And I looked at her, and, like, she had 16 heads. <laughs> like, I, have you not listened to anything I said? He will kill me if I tell him the truth. And and that was the first. And then it was like, it took me like three or four years of therapy to even leave. Because I just thought, I, I don't have any power. And it wasn't like, I, I was just still this kid, you know, and so lost. And in the end, what it took for me to leave him was telling the truth. And all I had to say was, I'm not happy. Her very first question to me. And, but it took so much, it took everything in my my power, everything in my being to be able to say those words. I needed so much support to stand up to him and just say those words. He was so controlling. But mm-hmm. in the end, that was that was my key to getting out, was speaking the truth. That is so powerful. Because he took you literally mm-hmm. from eighth grade, what is that, 13? Yeah, it was really like ninth grade he started okay. officially. But yeah, it was about 14. About 14. So we don't have skills, and the people that we look up to to mentor us, they're the ones teaching us. So he's the one who taught you exactly how to be. Yes. So so well said. So well said. Exactly. But the, there's power in the stories. And I think people need to know, you know, a lot of times we do, we hear this. Like when I started speaking out about this publicly, it was about 2004. And I would try to, you know, contact schools and contact different organizations to say, look, I speak about this topic of educator misconduct and um, are you, you know, are you interested in they were, it, it was something so foreign to them and it's so different now, thankfully, because, you know, there's a lot more media coverage and social media and everything is, has changed, technology has changed. Um, I think especially this topic has brought a lot of light to it and it, it, it's just, uh, if I can just paint the picture deeper than the headline of, oh, a teacher gets caught sleeping with student, it is so much more complicated than that. 
And it is not about sex. It is not just about the headline. That there's so many complex emotions involved in manipulation and power and control. So speaking your truth and bringing this awareness out into the open, um, there were two, if I can remember this correctly, there were two women toward the end of the book that you wrote and in, in your experience with this that really benefited because you because you spoke out, yeah. right? Yeah. Am I remembering this correctly? Yeah. Because this was super powerful, and this is the results. You're talking about three survivors a month reaching out to you, but these two women, again, in, in my memory of this, were directly impacted because they had the same abuser. Yes. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah. So I finally um, broke away from him, and I moved to Florida because he had been stalking me, and so I moved from Massachusetts to Florida. And at that point, I just wanted to move on. I wanted to put all this behind me, and I don't need to think about it ever again. You know, moved on and dated and got jobs and made friends, and um, everything was great. Um, met somebody, just got married, all that stuff, and like, 10 years went by. And But you really never completely let go. If you don't deal with stuff, it's still kind of under the surface, you know. And so I was talking with a friend of mine um, one time over dinner, and she had she kind of brought it up, and she just said, you know, we were talking about it, and then she asked me a question that stopped me in my tracks because she said, is he still teaching? I said, yeah, I think so. Why? She said, do you think he would ever do this again? I'm like, no. Are you kidding? He's not that stupid. You know, it lasted so long, and I still thought I was special. I'm like, this was just a special weird thing. He wouldn't do this again. She just kind of looked out the window, and I remember her face. And so for a week, I left there for a week. It was bubbling, like, what if? What if he did this again and I never spoke out? And it hadn't dawned on me until that moment. Like, why would I say anything? It's done. It's whatever. And so it took me a month, but I contacted the school, or um, the junior high, where you know he was my teacher, and contacted the, the principal, who had just retired, but I, and I disclosed the abuse to him. And he, after I spoke out and I identified myself, and he named him. He said it was Bob Baker, wasn't it? And I was shocked. And I, you know, and he just said, I just, I had, um, you, he spent so much time with you. But, oh, my God, did he really abuse you? I said, yeah, he did. And so he asked me, what do you want me to do about it? And I said, whatever you need to do to keep your kids safe. You know, I'll help whatever. And then we hung up, and I thought my work was done. I felt like Wonder Woman. Ooh, I'm done. Nope. Um, I didn't hear anything for eight months. And then after that point, I got a call from a Norwood police detective. I got a voicemail. And they said they wanted to talk to me. And do you know my first thought was, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. I still had that mm -hmm. little kid feeling like I had done something. He made me think I was so culpable. He convinced you that thing. you were wrong. Yeah, you were going to go to jail. You would go to jail. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, so, and this was, I was in my 30s at this point. You know, but that was my initial. So I called the detective back and I, I identified myself and they were happy to hear from me, which was confusing. He said, are you aware of our Robert Baker? I said, I am. And they said, well, we think you can help us. Um, we have him in custody. And I was so confused. I said, well, what do you, I haven't even told you anything. He said, no, he's in custody for statutory rape of two 14-year-old girls. Oh, my. And it, it is always, like, that was one of the most devastating parts of the entire abuse. Because at first, honestly, I'm not proud of it, but honestly I was relieved, like, oh, it's not about me. 
I'm not in trouble, which is that little kid reaction. And then the devastation, like, oh, my God, those poor girls are going through what I went through. And so I was so afraid. I was still afraid of him. He still had power over me, you know? Ten years later. Ten years later. Plus, I was like, ten oh, plus, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, but I'm like, I have to help those girls. I, if I can speak out, because he was saying he was innocent, of course. Just, you know, he was this 31-year veteran teacher, no disciplinary actions, teacher of the year, voted most popular, accolades. You know, I always said he groomed students. Like, t- kids loved him. Parents trusted him and the school awarded him, always. And this is this is what we hear a lot, you know. And so I just had to go speak my truth. I had to tell them. I had to disclose everything. And so I went and I, I had like a three-hour, gave them a three-hour statement and everything. And so it was all in the news and the paper. It was, it was crazy. Um, and he was saying he was innocent. Nobody was believing these girls because, you know, surely... He couldn't have been someone who did that. He was an award-winning yeah. teacher. Yes, right. What? Well, like they're just making this stuff up, you know. But like happens often. You sometimes once you get another survivor, another victim speaks out, then it plants a seed. So <clears throat> um, once he heard that I was cooperating, he accepted a plea bargain. So I went to court that day, and I, I watched him walk in and walk out in handcuffs, and I met the girls, and. And what was striking was seeing them, um, they were the age when I when it started with me. And we all kind of looked alike, it was it was wild. Um, but and they were they weren't happy that I existed because they felt special too. Wow. You know, but in the end, long story short, we I, I met with them that following Saturday for like four hours at a Friday's and we're still in each other's lives today, which is like and and it and it did help them. They they have their own journeys but like we all shared this thing and it helps them and now um, they're speaking their truths too you know it is such a powerful and tragic story and I'm just so grateful for you well to be here with me sharing with you know the platform here on this podcast but also for the amount of people that you've helped um, invalidate right there's so much validation for others listening to your story yeah. So I guess my question, and I know that you've been asked this before because it feels so obvious, like what were the other teachers doing as they're watching this? So what's interesting is that Mr. Baker, this is just who he was. He was the nice guy who spent time with kids. He groomed everybody. And so sometimes people, but I think they all had that little red flag feeling they would question, sometimes they would question, and, and I got contacted by a lot of the Norwood teachers after my book came out. And, you know, some of them just were so upset. Like, they had a feeling something was off with me. They say, but back then, it was in the 80s, we didn't even talk about divorce or alcoholism back then, you know, never mind abuse and stuff. And he spent time with so many kids. He took them all, like, a bunch of kids would eat lunch in his classroom. And that's something I would too, either alone or with other kids. He would take me to amusement parks and restaurants and arcades and sometimes alone, sometimes with my little brother, sometimes with my cousin, sometimes with other people. And he had done that. That was his pattern all along. And so it made him look above suspicion because it wasn't anything that stood out completely. This is just this nice guy who wanted to make a difference in kids' lives. 
I still, I, I hear what you're saying, and logically I can understand that. Yeah. But maybe it's, you know, a mom or, you know, my intuition, it's, and maybe, you know, it triggers me in a way because I just never did the school thing well, and I, I always had distrust Mm-hmm. for the school system and the teachers so maybe I'm bringing you know my own baggage to it but yeah I get so angry at these people for they had to have known you know I mean that's just from me and maybe that's not fair this isn't my story this is your story no it's, but it's, it's just different. like you know I mean this is people need to stand up right and and I know that through everything that you've written again going back to speaking your truth advocating for um the protection of children and sexual abuse and so on and so on and all the work that you've done i know that it's made the school safer because the teachers now also can be validated and they can also feel more safe speaking their own truth but looking at this just from a snapshot yeah i get so angry at these people because they had to have known but mm-hmm. anyway yeah. um it's tough it's tough when you sit there and look at it all and there were so many adults mm-hmm. that missed the boat they just did let that me let me let me ask you i just want to stay on that for one sec yeah because i want to talk about red flags mm-hmm. so adults parents guardians of children can see these red flags but also mm-hmm. i want to i want you to speak to the people watching this you know, and maybe not acting on their gut. Um, a lot of times when I've done trainings, I tell people to wonder out loud. Wonder out loud is a start. If you have this gut feeling, usually there's something to it. It's hard because sometimes we're over paranoid, you know, so, oh, am I just overreacting or is there something here? Wonder out loud, you know, and it's really tough for school employees because they, um, they, don't want to get a colleague in trouble. You know, they they don't want to, like, say anything and jeopardize And What if I'm wrong? Oh, so many times parents, that's your first go-to is, oh, you have this little thought, oh, but what if I'm wrong? And, you know, someone commented in my book, oh, like, but what if I'm right? And I did nothing to help that child. And so a good first step is to wonder out loud. If you're having a, a, a weird feeling about a neighbor or a, a cousin or an educator, or a principal, or a coach, or a scout leader, or a, um, a religious leader of some sort, um, and, and something seems off, that thought doesn't come from nowhere. You, you don't just make stuff up, you know, like, you just don't make something up like, what if you ever robbed a bank? You know what I mean? You don't. It's, it, it, you are so wise, but I think we aren't trained to listen to that, so it's we have to find ways to turn the volume up of our intuition and those red flags. And it's a good way to start is just to wonder out loud to somebody else. First to yourself even to just say it, and then to somebody else. And say, I wonder why he gives her so many rides. I wonder why he spends more time in the classroom with the kids than other colleagues. I wonder why that coach is always blah, blah, blah. Just wonder because just hearing your words sometimes helps, but it's so critical to listen to that for everything even for us we like we sometimes we blow off our own red flag about the smallest things like oh i don't think it's a good idea for me to go to that party because that person's going to be there and blah 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 but we talk ourselves out of it you know there's so many things but the more we pay attention and, and listen to that voice inside the more we certainly can protect our kids and 
I think what's so important, and this is why I, now I'm really devoted to just working with our kids more so, is to help coach our kids to hear that red flag voice inside them. Help them identify what it is, you know? And, and I mean, there's so many different things of training, but, like, not forcing our kids to hug anybody. When they come over for the holidays or whatever, hug Aunt Martha, go ahead, you know? And they don't have any, you know, if they are shy or they are unsure, it is okay, you know? And, and it's all about gut feelings, you know? And if, if we um, silence that in our kids... How can we expect them when something bigger rises to be able to hear it? So, right. I hope that answers your question. I, I think it does. Yeah. Thanks for that. I think that wondering out loud, mm-hmm. I love that, especially for the adults yeah. who are witnessing these things. And there could be a very, very fine explanation, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So, definitely. that's what we always hope for. Yeah. But um, wondering out loud. So, thank you for that. Sure. I would also really love for you to share, because I know you've done so much research, you've been, you know, going through so much of this, you've talked to so many people, you're an expert on this. Um, what are the bullet points, real quick, if someone's being abused, okay. what do you need to see? What do you oh. need to look out for? Oh, it depends on their age, and it depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, um, one thing I always want to say is, there's two things I want to say. One is, a lot of times you need to look for patterns. It's not like one behavior and, oh, my gosh, they're being abused. It's patterns of things that you want to look for. Like if, if an adult wants to spend more time with your kid than you do, that's kind of a red flag. You know, always offering, I'll give them a ride. I'll give them a ride. And if it's not a common thing, you know, I'll help them with their homework. And it's it's just a pattern. You want to look out for that. Um, uh, one thing that's really helpful is to educate kids about behaviors rather than people. Because how do you warn your kid about Uncle Stevie or something? You know what I mean? You don't want kids to be afraid of anybody. And, and, and what do you do if it's like a family member? Uh, you know what I mean? And that's so tricky. So you just educate about behaviors of any adult for the kids. To I love look that. Out for. that is it's so, so much easier even for the adults, right? And there's so many people that we would never expect, right? So when your child's Correct. plugged into a behavior, okay. Yes. And that goes right back to the intuition. I love yeah. that. That is mm-hmm. a huge red flag. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. What sure. else? And so other bullet points to know, are you asking like to know if they're being abused? Yeah, so or to, being, yeah, for your radar to, mm-hmm. I guess, you know. So, I mean, the off. classic ones are like any changes in behavior, mm-hmm. changes in grades, um, changes in interests, no longer interested in, in the things that they love. You know, they start getting irritable or angry or acting out, they start not eating or eating too much. There's so many things. And again, one behavior or three doesn't mean they're being abused, but it's something is off Mm -hmm. if there's a change in your child, Mm -hmm. you know, and also they used to be talkative, they're not anymore Mm -hmm. or vice versa, or they're extra secretive, um, you know. And for me, you know, I was an older teenager. And so I didn't show a whole lot of outward signs because I was this like overachiever. I want to get the best grades. And I, and I was super active. I just stayed busy. So I was doing a million different activities after school. Um, but I was, I was like dying inside. I, was, I had so many physical ailments too. I ended up going to the ER once for heart pain, chest pain. Um, and I was breaking out into hives. And I couldn't sleep. And I had stomach problems and headaches. And um, 
so many somatic complaints because I was holding this big secret, but your body cannot contain all that. So you, that's something you want to look out for too. And again, not to jump to conclusions the minute your kid has a stomachache. You know, it's all patterns for the kids as well as the perpetrators. And we can connect the dots there as well, mm-hmm. right? Because there's so many things that could be going on, of course, right. different stressors that could create uh, illness or behavioral changes. Yeah. But when we also see the pattern of someone showing up maybe a little bit too helpful in our child's life. That could be uh, an additional red flag. It's such a fine line. It's so hard. The bad ones ruin it for all the good ones. Mm. You know, and I always say every talk I give to, the vast majority of teachers are amazing. Okay, so I'm just going to encourage everyone, if you um, are interested in this topic whatsoever, if you know someone, if you want to learn more, Andrea Vaughn is an expert on... Um, sexual abuse, I mean, this started in eighth grade in middle school. It's so hard to still believe that this happens. Um, read the book, listen to the book, Invisible Target, and reach out. We're going to talk at the end of the podcast about every way you can reach out to Andrea Vaughn, see what she's up to. She's done so many speaking engagements, but I'm just going to truly encourage you to uh, connect somehow with Andrea Vaughn. So just wrapping this this piece up, Andrea, yeah. what else do you want to take? Because there's so much more. I mean, this happened, and you've grown from it. Mm-hmm. And I just know that so many people would have stopped there, right? You are a survivor. You are uh, out there every day growing trans- you know, with your transformational process. It's, it's, it's so inspiring, and that is... I think really where my journey with you um, happened because yeah. I've been following you and, and you are, amaze me constantly. So, oh, so sweet. You do. Thank so, you. so let's talk about, um, you know, and then what happened mm-hmm. after this, you know, horrible ordeal was put behind you. So after, um, you know, after he went to jail... I went on the Montel Williams show. <laughs> For real? I did. Isn't that funny? I didn't even know that. I did. I, I spoke one time at this, um, it was like a, a conference at Hofstra University. I connected with the most amazing woman, Terry Miller, from Sesame, which is Stop Educator Sexual Abuse, Misconduct, and Exploitation. She's incredible. And I was just going online, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's an entire organization trying to prevent what I'm trying to prevent. I couldn't believe it. And I connected with her, and... We just became, she was just became my mentor, and I was still pretty broken at that point, but she helped guide me through so much, and then, and she said, how can I help you? I'm like, I just need to have opportunities to share my story and speak my truth. If I can reach one person, it wouldn't have been for nothing, you know? So I spoke at Hofstra, and that was the first time I spoke publicly, and my knees were shaking. I sweat like I never sweat before. It was terrifying, and yet... It was so empowering. And every time I would speak, the story would lose a little bit of its charge, of its power. All of a sudden, I'm like, I can say anything I want. I want to swear right now. You, bleep, 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 you know, like to him. Like, you can't silence me anymore. I can say I was, I was silenced my whole life, really. So it was so empowering and terrifying and vulnerable and everything. But it got easier and easier. And then I got the chance to go on Montel Williams. And I had several panic attacks because who's going to watch this? Is he going to watch it? Is he, you know, um, all this stuff. But I'm like, I have to do it. Like, I didn't have a choice. I'm like, there's, this is my trajectory. Like, I knew it more than I've known anything, I think. And, and I loved it. 
and I got to ride a limo in New York City and go on the thing, and I met Terry there, and it was just like, oh yeah, this is my path. So how old were you at this time when um, you were in Montana? I was like 34. Wow, okay. Yeah, like 34. Yeah. And so then I'm like, okay, I need to, like, I then I started doing little talks here and there, and I, you know, so bad at it in the beginning, unorganized and nervous and I would leave a bunch of things out. And I want to say that, I really want to say that because if anybody wants to ever speak about anything, don't worry about being good at it. Just go do it. Because, like, I, it's, it's so important to just speak, no matter how much your voice shakes. You know, that's in some song, I think. Just speak. It doesn't have to be good. It just has to be real. And, and I, it didn't stop me. Being bad didn't stop me. And I learned every time. Isn't that interesting? Yes. And so that's why I'm just, I love sharing my struggles and my mess ups more than any victories because I just want people to know like anybody can speak, you got to speak your truth and it doesn't have to be pretty it doesn't have to make sense you don't even have to know what you're doing just do it and then if it's your right path it, you can't go wrong you cannot fail Mm-hmm. You just have to speak the truth. So, so anyway, I know that was a bizarre story, but I don't know why I haven't thought about that in so long. But no, I think it's, I mean, you're talking about like any mess up and anything, like mm-hmm. those are your foundational blocks, right? Right. You're building yourself up to be louder and louder and braver and braver. Mm-hmm. So, and you have to start where you are. Yeah. You just have to start and where you are. And so I kept doing news interviews and I got a little bit better and I never said this sentence again. <laughs> and then I just did talks for foster parents and, and different things. And then I realized I really want to reach more people. And that's when I said, I need to write this book. And initially, I really just wanted to document my story. I really need to get this out of me and put it on paper. And um, as I was writing, it morphed into, oh, this isn't for me. This is so much more for other people. And eight years, it took me eight years of writing and stopping and writing and stopping because it was just so painful to bring it all up. And and I had to, um, I don't even know how to explain it. All I know is I had to revisit places I didn't want to revisit. I had just shut the door. I'm like, nope. But in the process of finding a way to explain certain experiences in a way a reader could understand and teach a lesson through it rather than just like a memoir, I really wanted it to be like a teaching tool that's what helped transform what happened to me to just something that happened. Instead of this is I'm this is what I went through, it's just it was just one of the chapters in my life. And and that helped me heal so much. And so finally I got that thing done. It took forever, but I was I no regrets, you know. So Well yeah. and you know I'm I thank you for doing that. Again it it brought so much uh, understanding in education to me. Oh, I'm glad. So and glad. so I know it had to have touched like thousands and thousands of people and just not only validated their story, but educated them and helped them along their path as well. So yeah, I hope so. Thank oh, you. Yes, of course. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah. what's been going on since? Since the book? Since the book. So many things have evolved since then that I never could have foreseen. And I love it. And I keep it, this whole thread that we, I think we have is speaking your truth. And what's interesting to me is um, how, do I, how do I phrase it? Like the truth for me is not like the steady state. It's not like this linear thing. I think sometimes if I get caught up in things in my life or with certain people or whatever, um, that sometimes the truth 
I can't hear it as much. You know, I get lost a little bit. And, and I can always tell if I'm not living my truth because I'm not as happy as I could be. Or I'm more anxious or I'm a little more confused. And that's my cue to stop, to get quiet, and to let it bubble up. Like, how am I really feeling right now? What direction should I take? And like you mentioned in the beginning, like, now, since 2015, I feel like I have had vocational ADD in the best possible way because I can only now pursue interests that bring me joy and that's that's my truth because I feel worthy now and so and I just I no longer needed to just tell my story you know I I still do it I'm happy to do it if it helps but I feel like my truth led me to I want to talk a little bit more positive positively um, with children I really want to help children have these happy healthy childhoods and I want to teach them some skills that they may not be learning you know, and, and, but I, you know, healing is, is linear either. And there's such a, I call it like a spiral staircase that you, you revisit issues, but you're at a higher level, mm-hmm. you know? And so I have to keep working on things. And, and I started really working on mindfulness and breath work and meditation and because I still had so much anxiety in general. Um, and that brought me such relief and it, it just helped me evolve spiritually and, in every possible way. And so that led me to um, doing sound healing and meditation and yoga. And and then I realized, I think I need to write a children's book. I've always kind of been interested in it, but I didn't know which direction to take it. But the more I just tapped into what's my truth inside of what, what story do I want to tell? Where do I want to go? I wanted to help teach kids how to regulate their emotions more because I feel like if we can teach kids how to regulate their emotions we can change the world yeah so yeah. how did you get I mean for everyone kind of stuck right now how, what were the steps to get you into this healing was it like an instant knowing was were you influenced by someone how did this come into your life originally oh my lord I don't even know mm. I think it was a trickle I think it was a trickle I think the more I committed to honoring myself honoring my heart honoring my truth and 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 just listening the more i think the universe becomes this teacher but how do you even get there because i'm not sure that people so many people that i see they're still not tapped into that and i it, and maybe it's just not their yeah. time right now right do you feel yeah. like i think i i think i met different friends i think yeah. i'm really not sure I'm probably like, you know, in two days, I'm going to like, oh, I should have said that for the answer. I can't really think right now what exactly it was. I was always drawn to that stuff, but I couldn't, I was so shut off. I would just shut myself off from um, the things that would help me feel more deeply because that was just a well of emotion that, okay. And now I'm seeing, like, after you wrote the book and kind of, again, closed that chapter, in a way, permission. I think you were so curious. You were in this creative Mm -hmm. mode, and all of these new things are coming to you. And And also, you know what? I'm glad you just said that. I think what helped was when I finally finished writing the book and started, you know, sharing it, you know, doing talks and everything with that, with the book, I think I really had a lot of closure. Mm. And, like, uh, like, true closure. All of a sudden, I had no pain about it anymore. I wasn't upset. I didn't cry over anything that happened. I hardly thought about it anymore. I really worked through that. And I think that allowed an opening to so much more life. And like, if you're so busy in survival mode and like either trying to squish things down 
pull them away so you don't feel whatever, you're pinching yourself off from this natural flow of energy. You're just pinching it off because, and there's no good, there's no bad to it. It just, that's where you are. And that's what I was doing. I didn't know I was doing it. I thought I was doing awesome. I was wrong. (laughs) But that's where I was. I was just doing what I could through life. And it just naturally flowed. As soon as I finished that book, something opened up in me. And I, different people started coming into my life. More yoga people for some reason and more people who are into meditation. And then I went to a sound healing one day with three friends. And it changed my life. Changed my life. I just went to this. And it was it, it just something healed in me that I didn't know was broken. It was, I can't even describe it. And then my husband just said, I think you're, you should be doing this stuff. Wow. Yeah, it was great. I'm like, me? He's like, well, wouldn't you love it? I said, well, yeah. But he's like, well, but what? I'm like, well, that's not, that's not stuff I do. He's like, yet. <sighs> and he, saw, he was so supportive, you know? And so so I ended up getting training. And I got he helped me get all these bowls, the sound healing bowls. And that, I felt like, opened up a freaking portal. I, don't, I can't even explain it. but And all these other things started opening up with it so I really think maybe that was the connection and isn't that funny that I see I love that I really hadn't made that connection but as soon as I had closure from writing the book and I think everyone needs the equivalent of writing a book I don't think everyone needs to write one but everyone needs something to to stop pinching themselves off and whatever that looks like it could be painting a picture burning something climbing a mountain or writing a song or sitting quietly or something that you can honor your story in whatever way works for you so that you deserve to live fully emotionally and let that truth bubble up. That's the, that's the core of this whole thing. Sometimes we don't even know that we can't hear our own truth. We don't even know because we're just busy getting by and getting caught up in yuckiness sometimes. And stillness and nature is... Uh, so helpful it's where the magic is truly right i mean that's the healing and we can go back to the 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 healing bowls or or nature but it's it's vibrational and it literally heals and it's amazing that you were on your healing path in healing yourself at the same time yeah you know with or without knowing that i think that's how beautiful is that um congratulations for the gift that you gave yourself there what's been going on since are you still doing the um or I should ask, what type of healings are you doing now and what's been going on since then? Um, I still do a little bit of sound healing, not as much as I want to. I started um, doing voice acting, <laughs> voiceover stuff, because why not? That sounds fun. And what's interesting is I realized one day, oh, my gosh, the voiceover stuff and the sound healing, it's all vibrational. I love it. Isn't that funny? It's so fun. It's so, it's never, so fun. But it is. that Everything is – we live in a vibrational mm-hmm. universe. Mm-hmm. We, we do. And so – I've just been learning the ropes of that and being horrible at first and then learning and getting a little less horrible and I'm having a ball, you know, learning so much of that and really working on meditation. Uh, I can't even tell you how much that has transformed me. And so I'm really just, I'm like, okay, what do I, I just want to keep asking for more in my life. What, what, how can I get happier? How can I get more joyful, more satisfaction? Um, and I feel worthy finally of it. And I, I like, I don't think everybody feels that, but, um, I like, I really am at a a crossroad right now. Like what's going to be next. And I just, I'm just eager with anticipation of, I just don't think you can go wrong when you are being true to yourself. 
So you just brought up um, being worthy. And yeah. there's definitely a thread in my podcast. And it's, you know, I was talking to my husband the other day. And he said, don't target women so much because men need to hear your stories too. Mm-hmm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try not to do that. But there's such a sense of unworthiness, you know, in so many of us, you know, whether that's women and men have their own, you know, unworthiness. But speak a little bit about that because what I, what I loved – you saying is while you were telling your story, while you were going on Montel Williams, while you were doing all these um, interviews with the news and, and et cetera, you screwed up and it was hard mm-hmm. and you made a lot of mistakes. But again, going back to that foundational building blocks and then talking about, you know, using the uh, healing, um, using Sound your one. sound healing and all that and not doing it great. But you had trust that you could screw up because yes. you now have a history showing that you could now be successful and oh. it will be okay. You're safe screwing up. So talk You're a little so bit about that. You're so good at summarizing. <laughs> talk a little bit about Thank that you. so we can yeah. help some women through yeah. their struggle right now yes. to not give up because yeah. feeling unworthy and screwing up is literally part of the process. It's yes, completely. And I, I really can't explain why. Um, I certainly did not feel worthy back then at all. That's that's relatively new for me. And yet I had this knowing inside because it was my truth. Because I was living, like, there's certain truths in our lives. If you honor it, it's like you don't feel like you have a choice. you okay. got to do it. I have to stop you. I'm sorry because I just got this really powerful image in my head. We're talking about red flags, right? Yeah. And trusting our intuition with red flags, which are negative, which don't feel good. But what if we trust, let's call them, I don't know. The white flags. The white flags. Like that's like a go. Is it, no, is that a surrender? Green. I don't white know. Green. We can say that's purple. Like a, <laughs> <laughs> green. White flag is surrender. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> but what if we yeah, like lean into that other positive intuition that all that. it says is, yes, you're on the right path. Yes. yes, go in this direction. I love that. Yes, and, and that's exactly, and and it's that's I love that because we don't so know true. we don't need to know which direction we're going in. No. Just like the red flags, we know not to go in that yes. direction. Yes. What if we only have a feeling that yes. this direction yes. is right? Yep. And I think what it is is you don't have to have it all worked out. You just need the the best next step. One hundred percent. And it's just it's just like does it feel good? Go do it. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, I've never, there's no failure. There's no failure. It's just lessons. Like, oh, I mean, I have screwed up so many times with every single thing I've ever done. And, and I'm super critical of myself with certain things, you know. And, but it's just never stopped me. It's like, like it's embarrassing. I go through that, sh- you know, Bre- Brene Brown calls it a shame storm. Mm-hmm. I could write a book on shame storm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my Lord, I can't believe I said that. They said naked on the news. <laughs> like, and like, but if I let that stop me, like, who cares, you know? And um, like that is, I think I so much would prefer to write my mistakes on Facebook or social media rather than, oh, my gosh, I did that. I love sharing the struggles because I know I'm not the only one. I love when I hear other people say that something was hard. Or whatever. But you continue know? to do us a favor and show all of those victories as well. Because that's, yeah. you know, we, we, we need to see the end result. Right. Even that's if it's not the end result. That's true. So. Yeah. But, but going back to like your green flags, it's true. Um, that 
My friend just told me this little analogy, and I'm just going to share it because I just loved it when she was going through this awakening. And she just said that it was, she had this image of like, she's in this field with like a lightly wooded field, and there's like a stone up ahead, and it's kind of a little bit brighter than the other stone. But then she's like, nah, I don't know. And then you just kind of consider for a second, then you just go about your business, and all of a sudden you look again, and it's getting a little brighter, a little brighter. And then if you focus on that, all of a sudden it gets so bright, you know that's where my foot has to go next, to step on that stone. I love that because that's what it's been like me, for me, for so many years. Like, I have to do this next. I'm just because I want to. Because I want to is enough of an answer. You don't have to explain it. You don't have, like, I want to write that book because I want to. And you don't have to worry about being good. Who cares? Be brave enough to suck at something new. Because we're right? on a path and we, most of the time, don't know what we're doing. Right. And then there's discomfort. Yeah. It's yeah. discomfort because yes. we've never done it before. Right. And to get back to your stone, and I love, yeah. I just love that visual. I, I love I that feeling. Yeah. Well, you can take credit for sharing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I had a mentor, Mary Morrissey. She used to talk about, and I'm sure that she learned it from somewhere else, you know, because I, I think these these are like ancient truths, right? Mm. And she talks about the path walking in the dark. And feet. they had lanterns on mm. their feet. And all they could see was the very the next, next step. step. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Right. I love it. And that, yeah. So, anyway, yeah. yes. Yeah. Just just keeping that as a, a an image, uh, however you want to kind of frame that or, you know, whatever your rock is or your yeah. lantern on your feet but trusting that yes. and with the trust I also want to ask you who did you tap into like some mentors were you online gathering were you you know did you have some coaches because I feel like support mm-hmm. is is so important to kind of yeah. get us through the rough spots oh, oh my gosh so like, who were your mentors as you're asking I'm like I where do I even begin mm. you know I mean I've had uh, several phenomenal therapists that were just life-saving for me um, throughout the years. And my, my core friend group, mm. like, you cannot underestimate. Overestimate? Underestimate. Underestimate the power of the friend. Um, like, and you grab it. You, you, I get different things from different friends. And, um, yes, and then my mentor with my sound healing and, any any yoga class that I go to and the wisdom in there and there there's just so much and the more you open up the more the teachers show up and Abraham Hicks I know that you do Abraham a lot. Hicks oh my lord <laughs> I've gone through the last year and a half uh-huh. yes and it's just but all of these wonderful teachers and leaders and healers are all I feel like saying the same thing they're all bringing you back to the same thing and. And, but it's amazing. I can listen to the same video three different times and still get different things out of it because we have such old programming in our minds of old ways of being, and you have to challenge, you know, certain ways of thinking in order to grow, and you can't grow without discomfort, but you have to be open to listen to people who are where you want to be, I think. And, um, and I love it, and I just have an image of, like, um, kind of like a, a ladder that's horizontal, and all the rungs, and, like, everyone's on a different rung. And, like, it's so helpful to be around people. Sometimes you see, oh, I'm not at that rung anymore. Look at them farther along. And, oh, I'm not even close to being over that rung. And to put your arm back to help someone come to close to where you are and reach forward to get help from the other people. Um, and, like, we all 
not just women, we all have to support each other and share what helps and to stop the judgment of, that has helped me, I think, so much in my later life here is releasing judgment about where anyone else is on their journey. Mm-hmm. And, and it happens, it pops up like, oh my gosh, I catch myself, you know, like I think that most of us do, like we get a little judgy or we get like, or we think we know where they should be. Mm-hmm. Who are we to say that? Like we get enough crap in our own journey to last how many lifetimes. That's super know? interesting because I know when I start getting judgy about other people mm-hmm. and I've, yeah, instantly I know you can that it's it. about myself. Yes. Because I'm feeling judgy about myself or I'm afraid people are going to judge me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I think yeah. that for me is definitely a huge red flag. Like yeah. what's going on because you're getting judgy about other people. Right. So, so and I interesting. think we all do it. I'm sure we all well, do it. Or, well, the us normal humans. No, I think, <laughs> we, I think like, we do it. I think yeah. that there's like judgment is just such a strange thing because we can be mm-hmm. observers. Right. And I think observing is very, very important. Yes. Yeah, right. right. But when we put some compassion into it, mm-hmm. as opposed to like whatever else we want to yeah. negatively attach to mm-hmm. the situation, right. then we can, we can learn from it. And that's such a good truth for you to allow to come up is, oh, this is about me. Mm-hmm. And that's a big truth that's really hard to swallow sometimes. For me, like anything that I feel that is showing up in our lives is just a reflection of the vibration we're putting out. Mm-hmm. I believe it 100%. And it's so hard to believe sometimes. Like there is no way I'm attracting that. I would never want anything like that. But what I've learned, so I've learned so many pieces of like what you're pushing against, you're just asking for more. Mm-hmm. Instead of just thinking about what you want more than what it is or what you don't want. And so you many know? times, uh, you know, and I'll speak for myself again, but... Again, getting back to being judgy or whatever behavior is coming up that yeah. doesn't feel good for me, it's almost like this um, like hard drive, right? And that goes back to our mindsets, our paradigms, how we were programmed as we were growing up. But when we're not paying attention or if something else is going on that's distracting us in life, our default can go right back to these things. Yes. So bringing it back to awareness, and I always, I, I, and I know that you feel this way about awareness too. It's like, it's almost that stepping stone because, ooh, what's going on right now? Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times I can bring it right back to an old pattern that you know I thought that I already moved through. Right. I thought I already healed yes. this piece of myself, yes. and here it is showing up again. Yep. So yeah, and and, mm-hmm. and it, it the work really never ends. No, mm. because we don't want to stop growing. Exactly. You know, I didn't, you know, when you're a kid, you know, I'm 56 now, and when I was a kid, 56 was like, you might as well be dead. Like, that seems so old to me. And now, like, I love who I'm growing into, continuing to grow, and and just that the whole idea, because I had no control my, my whole childhood and into my young adult life of what was happening to me, you know, and then now knowing I have all the power, I have all the control in me no matter what anyone else does or says. It's all within us. And that's so comforting for me to know that I I can keep myself safe mm-hmm. and by by not giving my power away to anybody. Yeah. And it's all within. Yeah. Yeah, that's so incredibly powerful, mm. truthfully. So, okay, so 
what are you doing in front of me right now? Let's talk. <laughs> like, where are we? Right here? Where are we right oh, now? I would be right? happy to say this. I mean, this is just yes, such an incredible funny. journey um, yeah. that you're on. Yeah. And for anyone listening, I'm not like knitting or anything. I can tell you what I'm doing right now. Yeah, is, 56 is not old. You're here in front. Re, not yes. just reinventing yourself, but again, I, I, we're going to continue to say it, speaking your truth. Because... Mm-hmm. I feel like even physically you're speaking your truth by being I know, right? on this journey that you're on right this, this today, second, right today. This moment, yeah. So I am in Costa Rica mm-hmm. in this moment right here sitting with Kathy Talone. Um, I came here for a month by myself. I still can't believe it. I mean, I don't feel like totally by myself because you live here and that helped guide me here so much. But I've been on my own and I have a little under two weeks left. And what a journey it's been. Where did you get the idea and what kind of led you in the direction um, to spend a month by yourself? Well, um, so I got to go to Sedona, Arizona in October for a week by myself. And I had never done it before. And I I think I got hooked. Mm. I think I'm ruined for life mm-hmm. because that place is magical. Have you been? I can't remember. I haven't. Oh, you have to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone listening, Sedona, Arizona is magic. It's just a magic. And and I had such an incredible, I, I, I just never felt alone there because I just kept getting, you know, I met so many people and people invited me to dinner and it was just, and the meditations, I, it was just fabulous. And I just knew, but, but stuff was coming up, like emotions were coming up um, that I'm like, well, I don't even know, what is this, you know? And it's like, it's kind of like you need like an oil change or something. Like, like you go on automatic pilot. And the last year and a half in my life has been very intense for a lot of different reasons. And all of a sudden, how often, especially as women, I mean, men too, but every, I mean, really for people, how often do you get time to yourself like that? It was such a luxury. And a lot of times you have this precious little vacation time. So you want to, you know, pack it with everybody. And I'm like, I know I need to do, to do things that scare me a little bit like intimidate me a little but I, I need to do it so I just I felt like I scratched the surface being alone like I can just tell there's so much more under here that I'm not exploring and that's not okay with me like I I don't want to say it's not okay but it's an indicator for me like oh there's more to explore so I'm like oh my gosh can I really take a month is that selfish is that okay and right away the voice is like yep it's not it's okay it's not selfish go because you know, you're worthy. Because I'm worthy. And because logistically I was capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. When my kids were little, no. You know, I couldn't have done that. Right now, my life, things lined up. And then everything lined up magically without going into it to get me here. It was, my, as soon as I got open, I'm like, I think I'd like to do a month somewhere. Like, six things went, and the universe said, <laughs> You okay. had all those shiny rocks all, all lined shiny, up. Yes, all the shiny rocks and the green flags, yes. And then... Um, but I'm like, where should I go? And then I remembered you, you know, I've been following you and your gorgeous pictures and your life here. I'm like, I've always been drawn to Costa Rica. I'm like, so I reached out to you, to Kathy, and said, what if I, what if I came? And then, oh, my Lord, if anybody ever needs advice about Costa Rica, contact Kathy Talon because it was great. Cause, and she was so amazing. She was checking out Airbnbs for me. You know, this is, I don't think you like this. This area is safe. Like, safety was my primary concern. And so this was the jackpot area where I am because I can walk everywhere. I feel totally safe. And I've had two little excursions. I've gone to two different areas and I'm going to another one next week. And, um, and I feel so different from two weeks ago. I feel so much more confident. I'm using like exact change. I know how to say tienes cambio. I know little phrases, you know, to, to navigate. 
and I've met, you know, some cool people and I've, I've spent more time alone than I've wanted to sometimes. Like it's gotten a little lonely. I'm not going to lie, you know, um, and, and it's okay. Like it's okay to feel yucky because it, it, if you let it flow through you, you feel okay again. You know, I had a lot of emotions the first week from a lot of things and I just let them come. I had space to let them flow through me instead of like trying to stifle them because other people are around. So you just you said know? space. And yeah. what I'm getting is space versus busyness, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So if we continue to keep ourselves yeah. busy, and I had this conversation with a friend the other day, it's just yeah. the busyness. Yeah. Busyness truly is, I'm going to use the word band-aid, but that's not the word that I want to use. Busyness is a symptom. Yes. Yeah. Of what we want to avoid in our life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if it's if it's masking other things or it's pinching off your true self, your truth. So when yeah. we allow this space, yeah. there is a lot of, I mean, you just brought up a few emotions. Yeah. And there can be different emotions for other people, right? right? right. Maybe they don't feel lonely, maybe. But mm -hmm. there are other emotions that, because there's a void. Yes. With space. Yes. And what comes into that space, and I think a lot of times mm -hmm. we're not we're going to resist that. Right. We don't want to feel those things. No. And so we do things to mask them. So because how often do we just let ourselves feel uncomfortable? We're always trying to like we don't feel it. Like it feels uncomfortable. Food or alcohol or mm -hmm. busy. The busyness is just mm -hmm. you know. And I've been guilty not as much lately the last few years, but this truly is. And I still catch myself like, oh, okay, what should I go do? Nothing, you know, but at first I'm like, is this okay that I'm still sitting here? Mm. Yes, it is, you know, and and that's how you let the truth bubble up. But you have to have space and silence to, to be able to hear it. Yeah. So speaking to people <laughs> who are listening to this um, conversation right now, what can you share with them? You know, some, some words of wisdom, maybe some inspiration, some motivation, some, um, you know, some bright rocks, you know? Can you, can you share some bright rocks with people and just say it's okay. This is the path. This isn't mm -hmm. easy, but it's worth yeah. it. What, what would you say? I think everything's worth it. Um, what I would say is meditate. Honestly, meditate. And I know there's so many people right now going, oh, Lord. Oh, that's going to scare the shit yeah, out of a lot right? of people. Because of me, I didn't do it forever. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, I can't do it. I have crazy monkey brain. I can't do that. So many people say, oh, yeah, I can't meditate. And it's it's not true. I think it's the answer to so much. And there's so much on YouTube. There's so many. But you can start. Just like when I started running. When I learned to run, I was in my 30s. I never ran. I can't run. I can't run. I can't run. And then I read one little article. And I started with, I, was, I walked all the time. Oh, I can like do the slow jog for 10 seconds. Okay, so I would jog for 10 seconds. And then I'd walk for two minutes, jog for 10 seconds. And just about anyway, if you're in good health, you can do it, right? And then I, it would increase. And it's the same with meditation where all you have to do is sit and literally breathe in through your nose like my book for five seconds and hold it. Don't even worry about what you're thinking about. Just breathe purposely, purposefully. Just breathe for five seconds in, hold it, five seconds out, hold it, and you're done. Guess what? You just meditated. Woo! And then you can try it again. And you can do it a little bit more and a little bit more. And if you do it regularly, it's just like working out. Like you start to grow that muscle. And I'm telling you, if you can work up to 15 minutes every single day, 
your life will transform. And just about all these great leaders and teachers that I listen to all recommend it. And, and, and it's not to replace feeling anything. You know, it's, it's not to replace your life and you're still going to freak out over traffic and you're still, but it teaches your mind to just slow down and it allows your vibration to rise and it allows your truth to show itself and the shiny rocks will appear. I really don't know if I can tell you how to find your shiny rocks, but you can tell you. You have that wisdom inside you and they will show up and you won't even believe it. And I re- that would be my, that's my first go-to is to meditate. And, you know, other little tidbits is just, is just like, even if you don't believe it, just start saying really nice stuff to yourself. Even if I'm going through that right now with my body, you know, like, even though I don't mean I'm just saying really nice things because I'm so mean to my body right now. So for you, whatever you're critical, whatever, like, I don't even think we hear what we say. We have these, this, these, this belief system, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. And there's so many things like, oh, my gosh, I am so excited that I'm going to start to be able to see the shiny rock in front of me. Like, you don't know what it is, and it's okay. You say, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited that all of a sudden my path is going to start showing up. And just start talking like that, and it works. I say I'm so happy and grateful now that, right? So whatever yeah. your language is, but yeah. it, it, it is that, and literally what we focus on grows. And it's such a... Yes. Cliche, but it's 100% true. And sometimes we have to trust these things before they actually happen. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's really solid advice. Thanks, Andrea, for sharing that. You mentioned your book. Um, I want to quickly go back to that. It's Victoria and the Big Brave Breath. And it really is what we're talking about right now. So quickly tell us how that came up and what it's about. How it's influencing people and, um, yeah, and all those wonderful things because it's an amazing book. Oh, thank you so much. It's so sweet. And what was wonderful was yesterday, thanks to Kathy, thanks to you, I got to read it to this local elementary school and middle school here in Costa Rica and and do, you know, talk with the kids. And it was like, that was just one of the highlights of this whole trip. We were so grateful to have you. So thank you for for doing that. I was so lucky. So Victoria and the Big Brave Breath teaches kids mindful breathing to help them with their worries. And that's what I felt like really helped everything come full circle. I, I, like, I wish I had that book when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to write a book that I felt like I needed when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And it, it just it kind of brought, I just shared all the tools I've learned, all these teachers have taught me. I put it in the book. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to just write something that could be a resource for families and schools and communities and everything. And so... I'm really happy with it. And it's just this little girl, Victoria, and she worries a whole lot about a lot of things like trying new food and going to the doctor and things. And then it talks about what happens in her body when she worries, which is helpful for kids to know, you know, like her tummy hurts and her knees, you know, shake and things like that. And then her, you know, faithful friend, Teddy Bear, Teddy Bear Baxter, teaches her this breathing technique. Um, and so the most important, and I say this to the kids too, the most important part for me in the book is that Victoria practices using her big break breath every day during non-worry moments. And that is so important, and we all forget that, I think, because think about all the times when you're really upset or stressed, and somebody says to you, oh my gosh, relax, just relax, calm down. It's, you can't, because your brain's been hijacked at that point, you know? And so, but if you practice every day, or practice as much as you can during calm times, all of a sudden you can access that tool so much more readily. And so that was, and then, you know, the end of the book, she has her big thing she has to overcome where she's in her swimming lesson and she's worried about jumping into the pool. 
And then she remembers her big brave breath and she doesn't, she jumps in. Yeah, the end. <laughs> I love that. So, I love it. It's so inspirational. It's so cool. And it's not just for children. No, yeah. it's not. It, it's geared towards children and the words yeah. that you use because you yeah. say one ooby dooby. I love yeah. that. But so that's yeah. for the yeah. children to relate to mm -hmm. and connect mm -hmm. to. But I mean, the lessons in that book yeah. are really, you know, ageless. Yeah. I really wanted something that the parents could read to their kids mm -hmm. and then they practice together and the teachers can practice with the kids yeah. because I think the grown ups need it probably more than the kids do, you know. And what's neat is I, I hear stories all the time where a, 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 like a daughter will call their mom out and their mom's stressed. Like, Mom, you got to do your ooby-doobies. You're uh, stressing out. I'm like, okay. And, like, how amazing. If we could get families to breathe together, you know, and have some new coping skills, I just think it really can transform our future. If we raise these kids to be mindful and aware and have tools to regulate their emotions... I think it's a game changer. And so if I can help a teeny little part of that. I, well, it's funny because you said, if I can. So I'm just going to correct you because um, as a transformational life coach, using our words, right? If you right. can, you said, you know, you yeah. are. I just want to validate that you. you are 100%. You are already Thank doing you. it. There's no starting point in that. You've already accomplished so. that. So, oh, Andrea Vaughn, what's next? What's next on this road? Hopefully another shiny pebble. Shiny yeah. Stone. I really don't know. I really don't know. Do you like, find excitement in that and then not knowing? Yep. Yeah. I do. There's, 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 um, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of my life is about to change. Um, and I don't know where I'm going to land, mm -hmm. but it always works out, you know, so I'm going to stay open and, you know, I have different little options. And so I'm just going to see where I'm pulled like a magnet the most and just, okay. And, and just, just go enjoy. I'm just going to enjoy the now. And I mean, I'm in Costa Rica. So like, how could I not enjoy the now right now? But you know, when I go home, just enjoy and embrace and be open and then see where I flow next. And I just feel so blessed that I've, uh, I feel blessed for my entire journey. I don't look back, you know, people ask, would you change anything? And I would not, mm -hmm. I don't want to go through it again, mm -hmm. but I love who I am now mm -hmm. and where I am. And I would not be either of those if I hadn't had that journey. And so I, I trust it. I trust the journey so much more than me. Yeah. Like take my ego away and just let it unfold. Yeah. And I'm just here for the ride. And trust so. is, I mean, that's like capital letters, trust. Yeah. That is yeah. the ultimate. Um, yeah. Loving the journey and trusting the journey. Mm -hmm. Because it sounds, yeah. it's, you know, you feel like we can't lean into it. But that's, that's usually when you need to lean in the most. Yeah, yeah. that's all you can do. Well, you're amazing, honestly. So with, you, Kathy. Uh, Thank you. This say, I awesome. love. I just yeah, and this this is why um, I'm I'm doing this podcast, and it's because I I have so much love and inspiration for the journey, for the path, for the women in my life, and it's it's so much fun to be part of it, yeah. and I feel you know, listening back to my podcast and editing the podcast, right. I just continue to learn these lessons over and over. It continues to imprint on me and remind me. Yeah. And it's spoken in different ways. Like you said, like we said, was they're just ancient truths continuing to, mm -hmm. you know, be recycled and be talked about differently. And yeah. a lot of times we need to hear it differently. So it connects right. with us. It's so true. And, and, and just to continue to share and, and grow and talk and, yeah, it, it helps those foundational blocks that we talked about. So, And I want to thank you for doing this podcast, honestly. 
and because you I'm just going to say it, you're really good at this and the way you help your guests weave their stories to get all the salient points out that can touch other people like your other episodes have have touched me so deeply and I've had massive impact so I'm just I'm so grateful that you're doing what you're doing I think it's a brilliant topic brilliant title love it love the picture but also like, the fact that I get to to be in one of your episodes is just it's a great honor and I feel really lucky so thank you well, it you're is awesome. it is the moment right that we pinned in time that we didn't know was coming so it's beautiful yeah. it's perfect it's divine and so much gratitude and here's the abundance showing up right now so yeah. thank you Andrea Vaughn how can people follow you how can they we're going to put everything on uh, Facebook right now with the podcast with the episode but share quickly how people can get sure. in touch with you. I have a, a, a very sorely neglected website called mm-hmm. andreaspeaksout.com. Okay. Um, and there's a contact page right there. Mm-hmm. And it has everything on there with my books, with my um, voiceover work, everything in case they need one or the other. And, and so they can contact me at andreaspeaksout.com. And people can reach out to you directly. Yep. Just, if they yeah, want I'll to. get an email right away. Okay. I love getting emails. I yeah. get so excited. Uh-huh. I sit down, I get a cup of tea and like, I, cause it's a connection. So I live for that. So please reach out. Don't ever be shy. And, and I would love to talk to you. Okay. Yeah. All right, Andrea, thank you. And I cannot wait for this flower to continue to open. So Aww. you are a beautiful person thank and you. we're super grateful to have you today. Thank you, Kathy. Same here. <laughs>